0: Hello, all you Reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I'm the founder of this podcast and of also thecoveyclub.com. And we are always talking about how to reinvent your attitude towards menopause or towards aging or towards wrinkles on your face. We are also always talking about personal reinventions. Here is an interesting person who I'm going to introduce you to, Punam Buchar who is a family lawyer and an expert on emotional well-being who created something called the Safe Retreat Transforming Relationships through Communication and Understanding and it is for people who are struggling in their relationships or who are unable to effectively communicate or and are on the verge of divorce. So not thinking that you're on the verge of divorce, even if you just have a relationship with anybody, I would advise you just to listen because she has some really wonderful words of wisdom about things that go on in average relationships, which is we often think that our partner is there to fill all these holes that are are in us that may have been left by childhood trauma, that may have been left by unresolved conflicts that we never dealt with ourselves. And to ask another human being to do that is frankly impossible, which is why you see people get remarried and remarried and it doesn't ever solve that problem. Sometimes you have to look inside. Sometimes you have to do your own work. And what's interesting is she has personal um, experience with just that. And she also has practical and professional experience. So I'm going to turn us over to Poonam and she's going to tell us how to look at our relationships differently and how to make sure that we are healed ourselves and we are fulfilled, um, before we try to know that we want to divorce or we want to change partners because it might not have anything to do with them possibly. So here is Poonam. So welcome Poonam. So wonderful to have you. And, um, Let's start with your personal story. Really excited to hear your background. Where did you grow up? I always like to know where people grew up and kind of how they got into doing what they do.
1: Well, thank you, Leslie, for having me on. Um it's an absolute pleasure. I grew up in London. I emigrate I was born and raised as an Indian um from an Indian background, but born and raised in the UK. And I immigrated to the US when I was 21 years old after having an arranged marriage.
0: Oh, oh, interesting. Okay. And where do you live in the US? In New Jersey. Oh, okay. And um, what did you grow up learning to do? What was your schooling and how did you start out?
1: So, from the age of thirteen, I always knew that I wanted to be a lawyer. I watched too many Perry Mason movies <laughs> with my parents. Uh-huh. Knew I wanted to be a lawyer, and then when I did get married, my condition was, "Yeah, sure, but I want to have, I want to go to law school." So, I attended Seton Law Hall Law School here. I passed the New Jersey and New York bar exam, and then. I've been practicing as a corporate immigration attorney for 23
0: years and a family lawyer for about 13. Wow, amazing. And talk to me about what you're doing now. What, and what did, you, what did you spin to do?
1: Yeah, so I think when I look back at life, um, the reason I wanted to be a lawyer was because somewhere along the lines, I lost my voice. And in the last two, three years, I published a book two years ago called Safe from the Pain. It's basically about a personal story, about 10% of my life story, along with a method that I've devised to work through any kind of emotional trauma or pain, which I called the safe method. So my personal story, very short, is um, I was sexually assaulted at 13 years old in high school. I tried to commit suicide carried a lot of unresolved trauma, um, you know, didn't really deal with it in a very good way. Came from South Asian immigrant parents who only knew what they knew and tried the best with everything that they could, but um, it was a very much, okay, we need to move on approach. So I came from a place of insecurity, carrying a lot of emotional baggage, I was not forced to have an arranged marriage, but chose to because I guess it was my form of of some kind of escapism, Uh attract what you are, right? So, Mm. um, in life, I think you tend to attract what you are. So I couldn't see that I was attracting somebody in my life that had their own baggage and, believe it or not, my mother had said like a month before the marriage, I don't think you should do this. And I still went in guns blazing. And it was true. I was marrying somebody that wasn't the right person for me. It was a very difficult relationship. But out of it, I had two beautiful children. Mm -hmm. From there, I finally got out of the marriage. um, 13 years later, it was abusive on some level. And then after that, I ended up suffering financial loss. I lost a home. Um, I was a stay at home mom for the most part who was balancing her legal career before she got divorced for about 20 hours a week, had to go back full time, had a four and six year old that I had primary custody of and had these financial losses. And back in 2010 started my own practice, and started a journey of spiritual healing from 2011 onwards my emotional pain took on physical manifestations um I basically had um two strokes I was paralyzed oh. for 10 days. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia oh, had- ma'am. oh I'm, I'm so sorry out- Okay, you know what? That was my journey, and that's what my book is about. It's about embracing it. And if I could just quickly go into the four prong test, I went on then to basically run a successful law firm. I ended up; it got acquired early this year because my soul's calling, I believe, is to help people work through their different traumas. Because I was a family, I am a family law attorney. I did immigration law. I've been through it personally. So I've seen all angles of it. And I had this soul calling that I need to speak about my journey. And about, it's been a year and a half now, actually just a little less than a year and a half, but my whole purpose of getting this book out and doing the work that I do now is to see that if I can change one person's mindset or I can help somebody start to heal, then my job is done. This
0: was all worth it to me. Mm -hmm. Wow. Holy moly. That's incredible. I just want to tell you, I'm totally blown away by all you just said (laughs) in that short introduction there. (laughs) Um, And I think it's true. There are an awful lot of women who we speak to in this podcast who've been through all kinds of trauma and tragedy and come out and the way that they bring it back to the world is helping other people. And I think there is a beauty in that. And there is a therapy in that for all of us. You know, I had a rotten childhood and um, I didn't have a voice. And um, so now I do, and I get to help other women and make sure they have a voice and nobody can't speak back to, you know, people in their lives who scare them to death. <laughs> right. So amazing. Um, it's great that it's great that we can do it. And I applaud you. So let's talk a little bit about exactly um, what kind of sort of unique kind of programs you run. Let's talk about what those are and what what kind of couples are you aimed at?
1: Right. So I do... Um individual work on the safe method. But one of the things um, that I think, I'm in a unique position to help people is that I've personally been through a divorce. I know all the nuances of it. I practice family law and through my clients, I've seen because of ego, because of being antagonistic, because of not thinking things through, they end up spending extortionate amounts of fees on legal fees. And it's not just legal fees, right? It's the, mm-hmm. realtor's fee, it's the accountant's fees. And mm-hmm. really if a lot of the ego comes from a place because you're going through emotional pain. So I've helped couples who were on the brink of divorce. And then really when I talk to them and listen to them. I'm like, what you're seeking from your partner is something that you should be seeking from yourself inside. Mm. And sometimes we'll go deep down and they'll realize that it may be a feeling of abandonment that they had at a childhood that they're looking for their partner to fulfill. So because I am a lawyer, I'm always in my life going to give disclaimers. And mine is, I'm not a therapist, but I am someone who's been through it personally. And a lot of the times as lawyers, you don't have the time or the bandwidth to sit there and explain every form of custody schedule possible for your children. But as somebody who's been through it personally, I know what works. I know the issues that can come up down the line. And one of the things that I want to get across to couples is that, listen, whether you're together or you're apart, whether you like it or not, if there are children involved, it's not like you get divorced and then you go your separate ways. You're still attached in communication for the next 18 to 21 years because your kids, um, until they become adults. And then even after that, if you like it or not, when your kids get married and they have kids, your grandparents, there's a lot of nuances that you have to figure out. And until you're able to communicate, you can you continue what I call generational trauma because if Mm. we don't communicate then our kids suffer Mm -hmm. and every situation is not possible to communicate right I understand where there's restraining orders and there's abusive situations but in a lot of these cases I can tell you professionally that legal fees could be reduced drastically if people just communicated with each other and got to a point of healing where they could say to each other okay we're going our separate ways this is the best way but what is the best way to move forward as a as this new created form of family i hate the term broken families i personally have ripped people apart that have used that to define me and my family it's just a new family in a different form
0: do they still say that? That seems like such an um, old thing that came from when I grew up in the sixties yeah. and they called it broken families. I, they still use that?
1: You'd be surprised. My kids were in um this private school where it the term was used and I absolutely Really. Yeah, huh. I absolutely walked in and I believe it's in re educating people. Define for me what you mean by a broken family.
0: Right some yeah some families are not broken they're just you know they they just have a different sort of organization but that's so interesting i remember also um cuz i was uh one of those kids who was in i remember um at 10 years old i wasn't allowed to play with the kids across the street cuz they were afraid it was contagious
1: that oh, yeah, if my I...
0: you know my parents got divorced ooh you know that was a big deal
1: Oh, yeah. So I, I come from a cultural background, South Asian, that when I got divorced, I think 17 years ago, it wasn't as common. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I had all kinds of things said to me, somebody refused to rent me a home when I lost oh. my home, because I was a single
0: mother. Oh, my Lord. So talk a little bit about I would like to know, in your experience, what percentage of the people just off the cuff who are coming to you for divorce, do you think it's just unresolved trauma that they never dealt with and they never went to their therapy or did their therapy or were told to do therapy?
1: I mean, again, that's hard to define, but I would think at least 50%, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because a lot of it is a lot of us go into relationships or marriages at some point, right? rather than being content and fulfilled with ourselves and our own lives, we go in looking for somebody else to fill that void. And I mean, you know, I'm, I turned 50 this year. So it's, you're
0: 50 oh my god everybody has to look at Poonam. i'm gonna make put a picture you can't be 50 you look like you're 25 there's no way
1: trust me my body feels like oh my
0: god okay whatever you you wear whatever at the end you have to give us all your beauty products that you're (laughs) using i was looking at you and i was like wait a minute she can't be old enough to have children but, oh,
1: I, I am. My kids are in their twenties.
0: <laughs> oh my God! Okay. Well, you look amazing. So well, that's go really from there. Kind
1: of you to say, but I think it's taken me almost, I'd say, four decades to realize that really we have to be content within ourselves. Yes. And our relationship is not to fulfill a void in us but it's there to support us and enhance us and learn and grow. And I think the problem is when if as when you're younger, right? You think it's about fulfilling this void or this need that you have. And I wish the younger generation or if this message could get across, no, it's about you becoming whole, you embracing your whole journey, and not seeking that from your partner. And I think that's where I've made mistakes. And I think that's where a lot of people make mistakes.
0: I agree. I agree. Having done 25 years of therapy myself, I think um, you have to know yourself and you also have to know that some of those things that you want a person other than your mother or father could not fulfill those. You can't stuff a um, partner, a husband, a wife, they can't, they can't make up for whatever childhood trauma there was. And until you understand that intrinsically, I don't know how you can get into an, a relationship where your expectations are not out of line.
1: I agree, Leslie, and I think, you know, the scariest thing is, and this is just something that I, like in the last few years, realized, is that we as a society are continuing this generational trauma, right? Until we take care of ourselves, be us women, men, who, whoever, but until we take care of ourselves, how can we take care of the future generation? Because all we're doing is projecting our insecurities on that generation. Correct. And then- they carry their trauma and they continue it. So correct. one of the things in my family that I've not been shy about at all is if you've got an issue, talk to me or go to therapy, but figure it out because it's oh, nobody else's responsibility except yours.
0: Totally. And I, I say to my kids, I have kids in their twenties. I say, get, do your therapy now. Yeah. do it early, do it in your twenties. Look, I tried to be the best mother. We tried to be the best parents we could, but there's, there's things we screwed up, whatever it was, Absolutely. you know, I tried to do all this stuff my parents didn't do, but there's probably something else that I screwed up. I, you know, I, I gave you peanut butter and jelly too many times. And that was, you know, crossed a barrier, whatever it is. And I'll take the blame. What I also say to them is do it now because age 30 is the, is the cutoff for blaming your parents then it's on you. So if you have all your 20s, you can go in there and whine about everything we didn't do right. But after that, it's on you. So get it done now.
1: I couldn't agree more. One of the first things I asked my kids when I dropped them at college years ago was um,
0: how much did I screw you up? There you go. Yeah. We all know it's going to happen. We're going to do, you know, even the best intentions, you're going to screw something up because that's just the way it goes. So when you, when you get people um, talk about your retreats and what you do. So what do you actually do? Are you bringing a bunch of people together? And is this so, like, um, is love blind on TV show? Or is it? What is it?
1: <laughs> no, it's, you know, the idea is I have three different types. So one is the couples or individuals that are struggling to figure out whether they wanna get divorced or not and need the healing. And then I have a separate one that is just on emotional healing. But the goal is in three days, it's a luxury retreat, but in three days, I'm not gonna be able to fix a relationship. Right. But the point is with a semantic therapist, along with a yoga instructor and one-on-one conversations and group conversations with me to highlight the issues Um, that you need to think about, right? That you, if you are gonna stay separate and apart, then these are the conversations that you need to have. And you need to be open and honest about these conversations, because those are the ways to reduce your legal fees, to reduce the animosity and, you know, reduce the duration of the divorce. Or in some instances where I've spoken to couples one-on-one they realize that, wow, you know what? I keep blaming my spouse for X, Y, Z, but I've got work
0: to do. Oh, interesting.
1: You know, maybe I give this a second shot or maybe I pause my decision to get divorced and think about the stuff that I need to work on because maybe I'm not as perfect as I think I am. Aha. How many? Okay, keep going. Sorry. So I think it's more of... um just starting those conversations, pinpointing those things. And, you know, to a lot of people that I've spoken to one-on-one, I'm like, listen, I'm going to not going to sugarcoat this for you. The grass is not greener on the other side. 76% of second marriages fail.
0: See, that's what I always said. I always said, yeah, you know, you're just going to trade one, you know, foot picker for a (laughs) nose picker you know like i mean i always had that sense that like what do you think you're trading up for like unless somebody's i'm talking about somebody's abusive or somebody who's you know i'm talking about the average mill you know you get sick of him not doing this or he forgets to do that or he doesn't pick up his clothes i mean all those small things you can you can fix teach farm out um but no one's going to be perfect. Do you think people keep looking for perfection? What do you think they're, they're on this mission for?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think it's a couple things. I think it's perfection. I think it's somebody's going to come and save me. How many times have Mm -hmm. we heard? Oh, if I get this, then I'll be happy.
0: Yes, right.
1: you know, if I get, if I get a guy that's really rich, I'll be happy. No, you won't because you're not happy internally. You're never going to be happy. Correct. It's, it really is as corny as it sounds. It really is about doing the inner work and really knowing who you are. I mean, I say this in no perverse way, right? But we put, we put effort into going to the gym, we put effort into our relationships, why do we not honeymoon with ourselves in no perverse way, but why don't we spend the time to get to know who we are, what we want, and what's wrong with
0: us? Yeah, well, there's a big, I mean, I think there's a big stigma to get to know what our issues are, I mean, we see that, it seems like it's a, I don't know, you're, you're since you've lived outside of America, I think overall, and my years now I'm starting to become of the idea that Americans like to put things away, even super trauma and not talk about them again. It just seems to be a cultural thing. So sweep it under the rug pretend like it didn't happen we're seeing this politically we're saying i'm just wondering if that's an american kind of psyche Uh,
1: you know it's so funny you say that leslie because i thought it was a south asian psyche oh i've actually realized no it's society it's human society psyche oh
0: really interesting
1: facade of everything's okay and everything's perfect but in my life clearly i have learned that the more you stuff down your emotions, the more they suffocate you. They will grow. Yes. you will come out in either in your mental state or your physical state. They will come back to haunt you. So that's right. It's better to deal with it in your twenties.
0: That's right. That's right. And remember the statute of limitations runs out at 30. (laughs) So, so blame your parents now because if you're listening and you're in your twenties, it's all your parents' fault until the day you turn 30. And then you have to accept responsibility if you haven't fixed it. So kind of, mine's like
1: 22 and you're done.
0: (laughs) (laughs) 22. I give them a little more runway because I figure you, I mean, I don't know about you, but I was such a different person in my early twenties. And by the time I turned 30, like I just had such a different look at the world. And, um, thank goodness I didn't get married to all the people who I could have gotten married to in my twenties. I waited until um, 34. So
1: that was smart.
0: Yeah. So talk a little bit about um, what do you see as the biggest thing that stands in the way? Have you seen, and this is what I'm surprised by, and you might see it a lot, how many women out there, highly educated, executive women, who have no idea what's going on financially with their, um, their lives, they've turned it over to the spouse and have abdicated. So to the point where when they get to the divorce moment, they have no idea where anything is or what they have. And now they've got to get it out of the guy. Have you seen that?
1: Oh, yeah, I was one of them.
0: Oh, okay. And I, I admit, I'm just gonna say I did that too. We kind of divided things up. My husband was in finance. So we divided it up that way. But at a certain point when I realized that was no good and I sat him down and said, I need to learn this, he shared.
1: Yeah. I did so. the same thing. And I think, you know, when you start to have kids and stuff, you fall into these roles. You get comfortable to a certain yes. degree. And that's part of the reason why I decided to speak up because I'm like, I'm a family lawyer. I'm educated, all the things you've just said. But I still was an idiot in some, to some degree, right? And it's, it's about, if I think about the lay person that I speak to that doesn't even know where to begin to start these things, um, I think it is about having that open communication with your partners, whether it's sitting down once a month, once every other month to see where the finances are. I can tell you in my relationship, we used to do that, but then when the kids happened and life got really busy, It just, you know, went sideways. Right. Right. Well,
0: yeah, you're trying to divvy up something that he can do. Got to give him. (laughs) You got to give him one task. I mean, that's for God's sake, right? The they feign that they can't do anything else, and so you give them the finances, right?
1: Right, but that's where you. That's the biggest part of it, and when you don't know about that, that's where the insecurities arise. How can you stop? talking about a divorce or negotiating a divorce when you don't even know what the finances are. Right. So, I mean, I've seen a lot more executive women or women get smarter these days where they'll have a joint account together and they'll have their own account and the husband has their own account. So, you know, it's just really the joint account that they both have control over, but each spouse has their own account, which I think is pretty smart. Mm. you, You reduce the tension of why did you spend so much money there? Why did you spend so much money there? What are you doing? It's like the bills will get split accordingly, but that's, that only works where both spouses are making similar income and they're working in the situation where a spouse isn't working and is taking care of the kids, but the husband's doing the work in that situation. I think it becomes even more imperative for them to, understand the finances I can't tell you how many women will say well I don't know where the tax returns are I don't even sign them and I'm like don't sign
0: them oh they don't even sign them how can they not sign them
1: I guess their spouses are doing it or you know or they just sign without even paying attention to what they're signing so they have no clue
0: wow and we have to say that it's not that they're not working they're just not being paid for it
1: Oh, I think that's the hardest work in
0: the world. I'd rather go to work. Me too, which is why we all went back to work after we had kids. It was a lot easier, right?
1: I agree. I think it's one of the hardest jobs to do.
0: It is. So as we get towards the end here, Poonam, amazing, amazing info. If um, women are listening, and we have some men who listen also, and they want to sort of reinvent their thinking about divorce or how they're going to get a divorce. What would you give them as, you know, say, three big pointers of what they need to stop and think about, or or how they need to approach this? Um, because you know, we know that the divorce rate is very high. We know after COVID it went up, um, and what do what do you you know, what are the the pointers that you would like them to think about after listening to you?
1: So I think the first is, don't make any rash decisions. and um, really think about why you're doing it. Is it something that's inside of you that's lacking, that you're seeking? Is there something that can be fixed? Um, Is it possible to go to therapy or join a retreat like the one that I do? Um, But I think it's before making that decision, look inside yourself first as well. Second of all, if you are gonna part ways, be open and honest about it because if you think you're gonna hide the money, most attorneys on the other side can figure out where the money is hidden and you're just spending... Excruciating legal fees for no reason and dragging out a process and making it tougher on the entire family unnecessarily. And I think the third is, which is the biggest, whether you part ways or you don't, for the sake of the family, put your ego to the side. There's hurt on both sides, and put the ego to the side so that the damage that has been done today becomes minimized and that damage doesn't continue down the road and start to affect your children's lives.
0: You think all of that's possible? I do. Okay.
1: I do. I mean, at least if not a hundred percent, I think it's possible to minimize. Okay. Because I think, you know, when people are getting divorced in that moment, they only think about that feeling in that moment. But I think when, when when I sit down and I explain to people, listen, this is the future. It's not just today, especially if you have kids. You've got to start thinking about the impact down the road as well.
0: Right. Now, Poonam, where can everybody find you? Are you... Um, in a, are you out there on social media or are you just on a website? Where do we find you?
1: So I have a website, emotionallysafe.com. I've got a Facebook page, emotionally safe, Instagram, emotionally underscore safe. Um, But mainly on my emotionallysafe.com website is where people can find me.
0: Awesome. And if they want to sign up for your retreat, they find that on your website?
1: Yeah, there's a retreat page. They can sign up there
0: awesome anything you want to tell us in closing that we haven't asked about
1: no just it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you and such a privilege thank you so much
0: wonderful Poonam thank you wonderful to speak with you also and send your list of beauty products later (laughs) thank you So thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope this was helpful to you. I hope it gave you something to think about. I hope that if it did, you will share it with friends who are maybe in the same situation or about to go through a similar situation. Our whole program at CoveyClub.com and with this podcast is to help others learn ahead of time so that they don't have to suffer through what all of us have suffered through ourselves. We want to share, we want you to learn, so it's all preventative. And if you are serious about any kind of reinvention, if you're thinking about divorce or staying together or getting back together, we have all kinds of information for you that's free over at CoveyClub.com. You can come join Covey Club if you'd like to meet women like us who are there to help you through these transitions in life. No one gets through life without a transition of some sort, and it can be unexpected, but we need to get through those transitions. And how do we do it? I'm telling you from experience, do it with a bunch of smart, educated, warm, welcoming women who want to do it with you. So mosey on over to CoveyClub.com. Check us out. And if you enjoyed this podcast, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's help, that helps other people who need to find us, find us. Thank you so much and see you next time.